0: Hey, welcome back to week three of Win the Day. I'm pumped to jump in. In fact, I'm gonna jump right in here to Philippians 4, 8. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice. Let me say that one more time. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Man, if you do little things that uh, that uh, like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. Put into practice. Or should I dare I say, develop habits we've been talking about habits and we're on this journey of seven habits we're on habit three right here we've been talking the last two weeks about two habits that'll help you bury dead yesterdays right flip the script and kiss the wave but today we're going to talk about eating the frog yeah That's kind of weird, honestly, but it comes from a Mark Twain quote where he said, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. Why? Because you can go through the rest of the day knowing the hardest thing is behind you. Okay, that is an extreme illustration and makes me instantly have David Blaine magic trick Flashbacks where he has frogs come up into a water glass. It's awesomely disgusting. YouTube's available. Anyway, uh, some habits will propel us forward, like the habit of prayer, uh, reading scripture daily, church, uh, eating healthy, exercise, reading. It's not that these are the worst things that could happen to your day if you do these, right? They're just maybe the most important things to have in your life's rhythms. We should really look at the rhythms of our day, the rhythms of our week, and see if what we're doing is helping us eat the frog, if you will. Let me put it this way. The thing you keep putting off that you know will make you a better you, like that is your frog. That's your frog. The best way to eat the frog is to do it at the beginning of your day. Get it out of the way. First thing, prioritize it. Number one, that you could start your day with with eating the frog. And and we're not talking about superhuman habits or, uh, or work here. We're talking about doing your part so that God can do his. In fact, it's our big idea today, if you want God to do the super, you've got to do the natural. You maybe have heard it said this way, work like it depends on you, pray like it depends on God. According to Duke University, 45% of daily behavior is, is automatic. And now that's not bad unless that behavior is bad habits, right? And then it's bad. Habits are the way that that we put things on repeat. And without that ability to automate, we would have to return to everything every single day. Plenty of great movie made on that concept, right? One of the interesting stories in When the Day was Steve Jobs and the reference to the fact that that the reason he wore the same outfit every day is it was one less thing or exercise he had to engage his mind in so that he had his brain power, his full capacity to make some new decision during the day. That is crazy that his wardrobe was that much of a drain, right? But he developed a rhythm. If you want to win the day, you've got to identify the habits that have a high return on investment, Mark Patterson says, and ritualize them through well-designed routines. That said, you've got to reevaluate those routines with a degree of frequency. So we need these habits, right? We need to, we need habits what do you call it, habitualization? Is that even a word? I don't know. Anyway, it's just a good thing. It's, it's a good thing for our life, but it's also a God thing. And I think that's what we need to see in that passage from Philippians, that habits, or as Paul writes in, to the Philippian church, practices can save us an incredible amount of time and energy, but yet they can add so much to our life. If we want the peace God sent Jesus to make a way for, right, in our world, we have to put into practice the life Jesus challenged us to live, that Jesus-like life. And one habit at a time, one spiritual discipline at a time, our life becomes the ultimate source of of stewardship, and and it becomes more full and more full. We should make the most of this life. And uh, how do we do this? Like, how do we do it in the natural, right? Uh I, I think we we do it um uh by habit picking the right habits. We do it by by habit switching and we do it by habit stacking. So we're gonna jump into those thoughts, right? Thought number one, habit picking. While this is is deeply spiritual, it's also deeply personal. I mean, pick a habit pick out any habit, just draw one out of your mind. It could be physical, relational, emotional, mental, uh, financial, spiritual. Uh, for the sake of simplicity, how about we give uh, a couple of examples here? Um, maybe it's doing your age and sit-ups or push-ups. Uh, it could be uh, starting a gratitude journal. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, and and you have a certain quota of gratitude, like one gratitude a day or five gratitude a day. Uh, um, it could be five minutes of meditation or daily Bible reading plan. Pick a habit, any habit, and you have to make it measurable, meaningful, and maintainable. Eating fro- frog is making time for the important things over and above the urgent things. Most goals are important, but they aren't urgent, so they fall off the habit train, Right? It it, it is best to pick your habits wisely. In fact, you should first choose a habit that will gain the most return on your investment. It's it's the first domino of your habits, if you will. Interesting story about dominoes. Uh, Lauren Whitehead is credited with an insightful discovery in the world of dominoes and chain reactions. Whitehead discovered that a a domino is capable of knocking over another domino that is one and a half times its size. So, for instance, this little uh, domino, two-inch domino, could knock over a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino can knock over a five-inch domino and ad infinitum. Now, I'm a geek, so I jumped into an Excel document, did the math, and it's crazy what this can do. By the time you get to the 17th domino, you could topple the Columbia Tower, a domino the size of the cl- height of the Columbia Tower, the 19th domino. Could cartwheel the 163-story, 2,717-foot tallest building in the world in Dubai called the Burj Khalifa, I think is how you pronounce that? And the 26th domino would literally leave the highest point in our atmosphere. (laughs) That's just insane when you start to do the math of what is possible if you just pick the right first domino. Man, more than once I've had a conversation with people uh, that are struggling with starting the habit of tithing. And uh, God challenges us to to keep our hearts in check with this practice of giving the first 10% of our income to the church. And uh, many a circle of conversation have happened over the course of my life. But God knows that finances are a root of evil if we allow it to dominate us or master us in our life. If it becomes our focus, we do unthinkable things to move ahead financially. And to bring our hearts into alignment with what he teaches, he encourages us to not only set aside the first 10% of of our harvest, if you would, that's the language of the Old Testament scripture, and and what the illustration they understood at the time, he said, give 10% of your harvest, the first 10%, like the first cow of 10, don't choose which cow, just give it faithfully and then leave margin so that there's room for the foreigner those in need amongst you uh, leave the edges of your field right so it's not only that he wants us to give 10 percent to keep our hearts right with him he wants us to give 10 percent plus leaving space for more well we live in a world that lives off of a hundred percent and really then we borrow so we live off more than a hundred percent we don't have margin. We, we don't practice tithing in our world very often. But really, God's saying this is one of the most important dominoes in your life, right? And if we don't do it when our income is small, we were, and I were talking about this, then it's way harder to do it when your income is larger. Starting that practice because we've developed years worth of living on 100% of our income. So now it's like, where do I come up with 10% to give? We get that struggle, but yet what if we're calling our life into obedience in some of these areas? How do we go back to that first domino and start where we're at? Well, more on that in a second. In the book, Your Future Self Will Thank You, Drew Dick writes on self-control in the Bible and brain science about this. He says about habits, he writes, not all habits are created equal. Some habits in addition to changing one's behavior, encourage better behavior in other areas of your life as well. So it's like two for one, right? Researchers call them keystone habits, and they have a synergetic effect. Synergetic. I I mean, I usually use that word every day. Do you use that word every day? It means they cooperate and work well together. Okay, moving on. Uh, there are at least three spiritual practices that qualify as keystone habits. Prayer, Bible reading, and church attendance. Man, in, in the book, he Drew notes another author, uh, David Mathis, who sums this up. He says, the reason corporate worship may be the single most important Christian habit And our greatest weapon in the fight for joy is because like no other single habit, corporate worship combines all three essential principles of God's ongoing supply of grace for the Christian life. Hearing his voice, right? When we're reading the scriptures, hearing his ear or having his ear in prayer and belonging to his body in the fellowship of the church, of the family. Like I said, as I pretended to be a mob boss last week. Anyway, just uh, that's the reality, right? So in picking habits, make sure we pick the one that gives these trajectory type results, these keystone habits. So what what are the keys uh, to make sure that these habits include? One, it has to be measurable. If you want to read through the New Testament in a year how uh, make sure it's measurable. You're going, well, yeah, the measure is I want to read in the next 365 days. I want to read through the whole new Testament. So what do you do? How much do you read a day? Luckily open life has made that real easy for you because we're doing the new Testament reading plan. So jump in with us as we journey through Mark right now and read, but you do small pieces a day. And if you're doing it with other people, there's all of a sudden an account. There's an accountability. There's an encouragement that happens. So don't Don't go after that habit alone, right? It's measurable. What about this? Let's say you want to begin tithing. Let's jump back in that conversation. And you're like, man, I get jumping in at 10% right now is going to mean I'm going to fault on bills. So how do you build up to 10%? You could jump both feet in the water. Might be easier in the long run. But if you want to build up to it, set yourself a timetable. It's measurable. And that when two years from today, I want to be given 10% of my income. Well, how do you build up to that? 2%, give 2% now, build 2% every six months. And when you crack into that second year and you add the final 2%, you're at 10%. It's gotta be measurable. That's what we're talking about in setting a habit goal that is measurable. Can I just pull back the veil a little? And because uh, I made this decision when I was 20 years old uh, to start to tithe and I, uh, I thought it was... No way I could do it. I was in debt, I couldn't pay my rent. I was weeping and God convicted my heart, give to me first, right? And uh, just this week I was reviewing our finances. I was looking at Open Life's finances and projecting next year's budget and uh, reductions we need to make and and, in order to live within our current means and projected means with the attrition we've experienced. And and I'm sitting there looking at our giving and I felt a conviction because I realized that we had gotten a, a stimulus from the government right in January. And it's like, you know, to me, really, that's that's income, and I hadn't tithed off of it. So I tithed off of it. It's that little still small voice that I've developed over the course of the last 28 years to say yes to God in this area of my life. I don't want to even leave that kind of a foothold for the enemy to bring a leverage into my life. With the blessings God's brought into my life. And I know that's like, man, kind of that's kind of really black and white that. And that's by far not a command from God. And I'm not telling you you have to do the same. But I felt a check in my heart. That sensitivity and that obedience, over the course of 28 years, it's led to that kind of stuff. And I wouldn't, my life is full, and I'm I just like am at peace with God in the area of our finances. And I would want the same for you, measurable. Uh, how about, we need to make sure it's meaningful, right? Find out how to attach emotion to your habit. And you could do that in many ways. Like, really, there needs to be a reward, right? And, and the, the meaningful elements often in the reward will always choose meaningful over mundane. But we'll also do the mundane to get to the meaningful, One of the suggestions in win the day is that you would go after something that would actually bless others, right? It's more meaningful when it blesses someone other than just you. So for example, if you're trying to stop smoking, you know, it's for the grandkids. So you're not smoking in front of them or maybe it's losing weight so you can keep up with the kids as they grow up so you can go play outside with them you want to be more healthy or maybe it's where you uh, read daily so that you can help those within your organization grow better and you become a better leader or maybe it's you're you're praying daily so that you can be the conduit for god to use to reach this community and the hundreds of thousands of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus. Well, finally, the third thing there is you need to make sure that it's maintainable. Like, this is going to last the long haul. We start small, right? Spoiler alert, if you're doing the New Testament in a year, this year, because we're building up, right? We we, we selected the New Testament as kind of the teaser it's short little readings. But our goal is that we would build up to actually together read through the Bible every year. I think that'd be an incredible practice as a church. And so we'd started with the New Testament so we could start small. So now you know, you're, you're on the hook. Uh, again, look at the power of the domino effect, though, that when we're learning this daily practice, man, consistency beats intensity. It's hard to just sit down and read the New Testament. It wouldn't take long, but it'd take a few days. And uh, so it's better to do it in daytime pieces. Good news. Anybody can do anything for a day. Remember how we said that initially? You just have to do it one day after another day after another day. And that's how things happen. Miracles happen at the pace where our grit meets God's grace. Okay, thought two, habit switching. What is habit switching? Let me read a passage that I think kind of shares what this is from God's perspective. Matthew 12, 43 says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, and so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Can I say when I was a new follower of Jesus, that scripture scared the evil out of me. Man, that was so terrifying to read that passage. And we read the story this week about Jesus casting the demon out of a dude into a whole herd of 2,000 pigs and what that might've looked like. And I don't want that to be my story, right? Peter puts it this way in 2 Peter 2.20. When people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. Jesus and Peter are saying the same thing. They're challenging us to eat the frog to do the hard and new things of creating healthy habits, to replace habits that led us into sinful patterns in the first place. These verses are are hard to process, but what we do know is the people didn't cultivate the daily habits necessarily to, to back up the divine deliverance. So all of a sudden they were susceptible to falling back into sin. God can deliver you in an instant, but we have to walk out that deliverance. It's called sanctification. It's for the rest of our life. We need to own that, right? Imagine being healed of blindness and then going out and looking straight into the sunlight, which is like here, gone, here, gone all day as I'm sitting here recording this. How about being delivered of a drug addiction and yet making your way back to hang out at the drug house, I was delivered from alcoholism and it would be a bad idea for me just to go, oh, well, I guess I'm fine. Let's pound some alcohol. It'd be a bad choice. Having your lungs healed and then taking up smoking. No, walk out your healing, right? If God heals your lungs, take up running or snorkeling or or deep sea diving, <laughs> you know, free diving. Uh, How about if God heals your eyes so you can see? Take up photography. That's habit switching. If we want God to do the super, we have to do the natural, remember? You can't just pray like it depends on God. and You have to work like it depends on you. Those are so true. Now, I want you to do something for me. Uh, Don't think about a red ball. You're thinking about a red ball, right? Psychology In psychology, this is called a double bind. Uh, it's the point where you're trying not to focus on something so that all you do is focus on it. And I, on that note, we need to realize we don't overcome sin by focusing on that sin in our life. Uh, By not doing it, Uh, we're going to just totally, maybe for a short term, we can not do a sin by focusing on not doing that sin. But long term, we are still thinking about that sin. So if we don't stop sinning, uh, we don't stop sinning until we replace that thing in our life. You have to change habits so you'll no longer fill the void with the same bad habit. So there's a pattern in habits. And again, it's from your future self will thank you. And Drew, the author, he he breaks down habits into basically the Pavlov principle. Uh, There's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. Look at this image that he uh, gives us really in this cycle In life, you will have a never-ceasing source of cues, or should we call them even temptations. You'll crave the reward, so the the space you can eat the frog and make the change is within your routine. It's habit switching. Charles Duhigg writes, You can't extinguish a bad habit. You can only change it. To change a habit... You must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward, but insert a new routine. Proverbs says this, people who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Or Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all the wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you lean, as you learn to know your creator and become like him. We're not afraid of our sin, the mess we have made, our cues, right? We confess them and we receive the Holy Spirit's strength to switch the habits creating a new nature within us right we we kiss the wave we eat the frog and we have to eat the frog taking a new habit a new vision if you will that's bigger and better than the what we had given into that temptation and faced the best way to break a bad habit is develop a good habit have you ever been seeking or shopping for something and you realize it starts showing up everywhere. Um, uh, Man, you're being watched kind of a scenario. When we began contemplating what it would be like to get a dog in the Huff home, we were looking at articles or YouTubes and all of a sudden we're getting dog product ads everywhere. In fact, if I had $100 for every time I heard this quote there's no such thing as an untrained dog, just untrained humans. Marketing uh, masterclass course on dog training, I-, I see it still like every day. So uh, what is that? That's an algorithm, right? Computer smart people figured out how to watch us, listen to us, track our purchases, and know what we're thinking before we think it. Well, guess what? Your brain works like this. (laughs) Honestly, your brain works the same way. If you have a problem being negative, the way you break that bad habit or the norm of negativity is to start to insert gratitude. I mean, go back to flip the script and start a gratitude journal, right? And if you start writing things down that you're thankful for every day, then all of a sudden, you're not just focused on the negative this new source comes in this new habit comes in and sooner than later it overtakes the negative that is called positive addiction and uh that that is addictions not all bad which is what william glasser said in a 1970 groundbreaking research book right it's just it's it's addiction is not all that bad unless it's a bad habit, right? You can get addicted to the good, change your addiction. Much like an algorithm, you put in positive things, habit switching. Finally, habit stacking. What is habit stacking? It's it. habit stacking is coupling our habits with daily rhythms and rituals. And Acts 3, 1 talks about a moment of habit stacking. Peter and John says, went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. Now, Peter and John were simply walking in their daily rhythm, three o'clock prayer service, right? Three o'clock hits, they're gonna pray. Now, just so happened because they did that, they were in a place for God to do a miracle through them with a gentleman who had not walked and he ends up jumping, leaping, and praising God over this moment. But the habit stacking was three o'clock, and prayer. The results of this habit empowered their boldness and made them a vessel the Holy Spirit could flow through and outpour such a tangible expression of the faithfulness of the gospel. We often share this during baby dedications, but it first arrives like in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. God not only gives us commands, he gives us a daily ritual and habit in instruction. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, and when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you're getting up. Like normal tasks, but now you're stacking, talking about the scripture. Verse 8 says, tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. If you simply pray and read some scripture when you go to bed, And when you wake up in the morning, just as that challenges us, you've inserted a stack, right, with a natural rhythm of your day. When you're driving, if you talk about the scripture, when you're going, when you're coming, all these things are habit stacking moments. Now, here's the good news. Some of you are already habit stacking. Maybe you pray before your family meal together. Man, you're not even aware of it, but you're habit stacking prayer, food, right? <laughs> and you've got to stack those really hard habits and the keystone habits with rituals though that uh, th- that come naturally, like put on slippers, pray to the Lord for my day. So first thing, you're eating the frog. Man, if you want to go to church weekly as a keystone habit and you drink coffee every day, Get a coffee on your way to church. Oh, come on, because God plus coffee equals life to the full. Wait, that's not in the Bible. Anyway, do you hear what I'm saying? Habit stacking, good habits always come back to bless us, but bad habits always come back to bite us. The good news is almost anybody can accomplish almost anything if they work long enough, hard enough, and smart enough by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our action thought is, eat the frog. I wanna pray for you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Man, to jump around and see how it's interconnected with so much discovery and psychology and even brain research today. You know all things, man. You showed us how to do these things throughout the course of your word. And we just wanna open our lives up and say, okay, Lord, Help me daily have better practices or better habits. God, let me choose the right habits. Let me switch to better habits that are the most strategic. Let me pick the right first domino. And God, let me stack the habits into my natural weekly rhythms or create new rhythms so that, God, I can live the most full life. I want you to do the super. I'm willing to do the natural, and I thank you that you tell me I can do it with your strength and power at work within me. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, and we can't wait to see you next week.